You know, the Bible said there's nothing that we have that we've not received. Everything you've got tonight, you've received it from the hand of the Lord. And there's nothing new under the sun, nothing new that you can find. But I appreciate those who have been uh, just kind to share with us things that we can share with others. And I want to preach tonight just simply for just a few minutes. And this may not be a camp meeting message. Uh, and I'm not really tonight particularly, I'm not worried about it being a camp meeting message. Uh, I believe this is something that I need in my own heart. And I trust that God will work in your heart tonight from out of this, this passage of Scripture. The Bible said in Luke chapter number 17, verse number 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee and he entered into a certain village. There met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was cleansed, but where are the nine? And they are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise and go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, this is the only time that we have this account. We have other accounts in the Bible of the Lord healing individual lepers. But Luke, Dr. Luke is the only one that gives us this description here that we have of these ten lepers that came to Jesus as he was passing through this town. It's only recorded one time in the Bible. And Dr. Luke, he, he put it down for us through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. You notice here, the Bible said he entered into that certain village in verse 12. And they met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And we understand that leprosy in the Bible is a type and a picture of sin. Brother Kelly has a great message that I remember hearing years ago on leprosy as a type and a picture of sin. The Bible said they stood afar off. They stood afar off. You see, they were ostracized from their family and their friends. And the lepers in that day, they had to wear an upper covering over their lip. And they would holler out if anybody approached them. They would cry, unclean, unclean. And here they were standing afar off as Jesus was passing through the town. And the Bible said they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I'm going to tell you as you read this Bible, friend, when you find a sinner, when you find somebody in despair and somebody that was hurting, crying out for Jesus to have mercy on them, it always got the attention of the Son of God. I'm mindful when blind Bartimaeus sat by the roadside begging and he began to cry and he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible said the sun stood still. I'm glad the Lord, he hears that cry, friend. When some sinner cries out for mercy, it always gets the attention of the Son of God. They weren't crying out for justice. They weren't crying out for what they deserved. But there's a crying out for mercy. Mercy. Have mercy on us. And they were standing afar off. Do you remember 
Has it been so long ago that we've forgotten when we too were in that condition of the leper? I mean, plagued by sin, and we stood afar from the Son of God. Do you remember that day when you cried out for mercy? You cried out for mercy. And the Bible said in verse number 14, And when he saw them, when he saw them, he said unto them, he said, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. Now you're talking about faith. You're talking about a movement of faith right here, friend, that Jesus said, all right, you want to have mercy? He said, I tell you what you do, you go to the priest. Take off to the priest and go show yourself to the priest. Well, listen, they still had leprosy when he said that. They were still leprous men. But I tell you, one of them said, what have we got to lose? And another one said, I'm not clean. You're not clean. Look at us. But one of them said, what have we got to lose? He said, go show yourself to the priest. And brother, by faith, by faith, they moved out. And they were headed down the road to find the priest. And the Bible said, and as they went, as they went, as they responded to faith, as they went, they were cleansed. Hey, man, I tell you, I see them headed that way now. And all of a sudden, as they're going down toward the priest, trying to find the man of God to show him themselves, the Bible said in verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back him with a loud voice, glorified God. Now tonight, for just a few minutes, I know I'm more conscious of the time than you are. I'm very conscious of what time it is. And I'm mindful that you men and some of you ladies, you labor on the job and you got to get up early in the morning. I understand that. I'm thankful that you have the camp meeting and stay as late as you do. But I'm mindful, men. I know some of you are tired and you're weary and will try to be quick. But I want to preach tonight just a simple message here that's been shared with me and I've tried to do a tad bit of study on it on the attitude of gratitude. The attitude of gratitude. And I believe if you'll study your Bible, you'll find that ingratitude is a sin of the last days. The Bible said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, you remember that passage, verse 1, 2, and 3? This know also that peerless times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unthankful. And this is one of the thankless generations that there ever has been. There's a lot of ingratitude, friend, everywhere you turn out at the workplace, out on the job, out in the community. And it's in our churches that there's a spirit of ingratitude. Ingratitude. And what you have here, this one leprous man, when he saw what had happened to him, he stopped and he turned to come back to the Lord Jesus to just say thank you. Thank you. Now, I was thinking about this. Matthew Henry the old famous scholar that many of us read after, Matthew Henry said that, he said, ingratitude is a very common sin. And he said, it is a very common sin that we're committing all the time and we're not even conscious of it. Ingratitude. Ingratitude. Another one said this. Somebody has made this statement that nothing, nothing curdles 
Nothing curdles the milk of human kindness more than ingratitude. You don't know what the word curdles mean, but the word nothing curdles, it means nothing hardens, and nothing causes more indifference to somebody trying to show ingratitude or show gratitude than ingratitude. And it's in our camp, it's in our movement, it's among a lot of us, we need to see it and ask God to help us and repent of it. Ingratitude. Ingratitude. Oh, Matthew Henry, one day, he was telling, this was written in his diary, he was uh, robbed one day by some robbers, and they stole his purse. That's what they call the man's pocketbook in that day. And Matthew Henry pinned this down in his diary. He wrote these words. He said, Lord, let me be thankful. I'm talking about being thankful over being robbed. He said, let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. He said, I want to thank you that I've never been robbed up till now. And number two, he said, I want to say thank you, Lord, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. He said, I'm thankful that they didn't kill me. And then he said, Lord, even though they took my purse and they took all that I had, it was not much. He said, I want to thank you that it wasn't much that they got, though they got all that I had. And then he said, thoughtfully, I want to say thank you, Lord, because it was I who was robbed and not another. And he said, I'm thankful that it was I who was robbed and not I that was doing the robbing. Now there's a man that offered gratitude to God in the midst of being robbed. How many of us would be thankful and grateful? Huh? Amen. Now, you know what we're all prone to do? We're all prone to do this. And I am first to say I have been prone to do this. We write our injuries. We write our injuries, our troubles, our hard times. We engrave them in stone so that everybody will remember them. And we write our blessings and our benefits in the dust so that they can quickly be forgotten. Amen. That's right, friend. Oh, you get in a meeting. You know, sometimes preachers were prone to do this. And you get in a meeting and you get with different preachers and, and uh, they'll tell about, you know, most all the time, most all the time, we'll tell about where they took bad care of us. Uh, we'll glorify and magnify the poor offerings. And those that was, you know, where, where the conditions were less than desirable. That, that's about all that we talk about. I'm going to tell you something, friend. I'm saying tonight from the depths of my heart, I have no sad stories to tell. I have no regrets just like they're singing about tonight. God has been good to me, far better than I deserve. And like Brother David, the pastor, said here tonight, if God never blesses me again, I've got more to be grateful for than I deserve. I'm going to tell you something, friend. I believe God's patience runs short on ingratitude. I believe it kind of bothers God. It bothers Him when His people are ungrateful. That's right. You say, how can you prove that? Well, wasn't Jesus God? Wasn't Jesus incarnate? God incarnate in human flesh? Is that not right? And Jesus stood there that day and He said, Where are the nine? Ingratitude bothered him. 
Amen. So we're thinking tonight and trying to preach just a tad on the attitude of gratitude. Now, when you think about this, look here with me in verse number 15. We're going down these verses and be through. In verse number 15, this attitude of gratitude that we ought to pray for and ask God to cultivate in our lives. You notice in verse 15, it's always conscious. It's always conscience to recognize. Now, when you've got that attitude of gratitude about you, you're very quick to recognize what's going on. The Bible said in verse 15, in one of them, just one of them, when he saw that he was healed, you see, he got conscious of what had happened to him, and he stood still, he looked at himself, and his heart was overtaken by gratitude. By gratitude. The other lepers, you know what they were interested in? They were interested in receiving the priest's blessing. They were interested, the other nine were interested in finding their place in society and just going on with their life. But this one leper was conscious to recognize. Oh, hey, it hadn't been so long. It hadn't been so long ago that he'd forgot how it was to wear that upper covering and cry, unclean, unclean. He hadn't been so long ago. He remembered trying to dress them on leprous hands and leprous feet. And I'm telling you, hey, it's been a long time for some of us since we've been saved. And I'm afraid if we're not careful, we get over that. And we forget the pit we were dug out of. We forget where God brought us from. We begin to have this ingratitude that bleeds through us. Hey, notice now, you see, to be grateful, you have to be thankful. When you're thankful, you'll be thoughtful. If you just take time, I don't care who you are tonight. I don't care what's going on in your life. If you're here tonight and you're having to go to a dialysis machine during the day, if you're here tonight and you've just got the report that they found cancerous cells in your body, if you're here tonight in those kind of conditions, if you'll just pause long enough and look long enough, I believe you can find something to be grateful for that God's done for you. Amen. Now listen to me. Do you understand this? We understand it intellectually, but that it might get down in our hearts. God doesn't owe any of us anything. You hear me? God doesn't owe any of us anything. I was reading old Bishop J.C. Ryle. I love to study after him. Bishop J.C. Ryle said that it is the man that daily feels his debt to grace. It's the man that daily feels his debt to grace and remembers that in reality he deserves nothing but hell. He said this is the man who will daily be blessing and praising God, friend. You know what's wrong with some of us? We feel like God owes us some things. Hey, old Brother Earl Hughes, I don't know if Brother Earl Hughes ever knew who J Bishop J.C. Ryle was. But years ago, that old preacher from McCadesville, Georgia, the sawmill preacher, Brother Earl Hughes, he is preaching something. He said, lodged in my heart. He said, listen. He said, we all deserve hell. We all deserve hell. And anything apart from hell is a divine blessing, friend. 
Oh, if we look at our trials like that, if we look at our tests like that, anything apart from hell, anything apart from hell is a blessing. Amen. Oh, friend. You see, this old leper, he, he remembered the loneliness. He remembered the pain and the humiliation not long ago. And boy, he was conscious to recognize. Conscious to recognize. The attitude of ingratitude. I've been noticing some things this week. This carpet had been cleaned. It's been cleaned every day. Somebody's been taking care of the latrines back there, the bathrooms. What Dr. Brown said today, there's people doing things behind the scenes that nobody sees here. And I'm going to tell you something. Don't, hey, listen, you may never get that pat on the back here, but God's not unrighteous to forget your work. And I want to say thank you. I appreciate clean bathrooms. I appreciate the church looking good. It's a good testimony to the community. And somebody has to do it. And I appreciate it. Hey, we ought to say, listen, it's better, it's better to say thank you and not mean it than to mean it and not say it. Amen. It's conscious to recognize the attitude of gratitude. Mr. D.L. Moody one day was reading Psalms 103 verse 2. And this was in his diary. Mr. Moody was reading Psalms 103 verse 2 where the psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. Forget not all of His benefits. Mr. Moody said, he said, you can't remember them all, of course. But he said, don't forget a one of them. You can't remember all of them, but don't you forget a one of them. Forget not all of His benefits. Well, may the Holy Ghost help us. May the Holy Ghost help us to just stand still and see the benefits and the blessings of the Lord. Hey, how long has it been? I tell you, God worked on me. Hey, how long has it been since you thanked God for a pair of shoes? How long has it been? I was going down the road the other night. This thing got in my heart. God got to dealing with me. I said, Lord, thank You for shoes. And I said, Lord, thank You for socks to put on my feet. Then I said, Lord, I want to thank You for feet to put in the socks and to put in the shoes. Dear God, I'm telling you, meeting broke out in that car, just me and God. Hey, hey, how long's it been since you got out and said, Lord, I just want to thank you. We always come in with our blessed list and our wish list and our need list. But how long has it been since you just said, Lord, I want to thank you. Don't want a thing today, Lord. Don't want a thing. Just want to say thank you. Conscious to recognize. There's something else here, verse 15. Also in verse number 18. That attitude of gratitude is always careful to return. It's careful to return. The Bible said in one of them when he saw that he was healed, turn back. He turned back, brother. He went back. The Bible said in verse number 18, and there are not found, Jesus said, that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. Brother, when that gratitude gets in your heart, it'll make you careful to return to where you found the blessing. 
An old Chinese proverb said this. It said, when thou art drinking from the stream, forgive not the spring from whence it came. You hear me? I tell you, we drank and drank and drank from the stream. But hey, how conscious are we to return to the spring where it all came from? That's it. Brother, I tell you, we're in debt to God. We are debtors to the Lord. Do you feel that debt of grace upon you? Do you feel that debt as though you owe God something? Careful to return. This old leper realized, I tell you, he saw what had happened to him. Oh, friend. And his heart swells with that gratitude. And he comes running back to the Lord Jesus Christ to say thank you. Thank you. I've been reading, there's an author I've been reading lately. Here's what he said. He said, we write two books in our lives. And uh, some of you that are a little older, you'll understand this better than me. You write two books in your Christian life. One is dreams and aspirations and goals and desires. And then on down the road, you write the book on reality. The book on reality. And I know, listen to me, I preach with me and I'm with me and things haven't turned out just like they thought it's going to turn out. Some of you, you, you had a lot of dreams and plans and goals. Some of them you've seen seemingly just torn all to pieces. But I'm going to tell you something in the midst of all of that. When you write your book on reality and things didn't turn out like you thought they was going to turn out, we still have to pause and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do you understand? Listen, you know, when you mention that thing about the sovereignty of God, while go, Brother Martin, a lot of people, they get scared in this day. But I'm going to tell you something. God is God, and besides Him, there is none other. Do you understand? Underst- can we famine any of this? Can we famine? You say, preacher, well, when you get to talking about election, and Brother Buster, you get to talking about the doctrine of election, and, and these things, it makes me nervous. And people want to say, well, God chose this one, God chose that one, and He left others up, so God must be a monster. I'm going to tell you something. It's because we don't understand God. That, that don't make Him a monster. You need to understand this. That all the world was going to hell. All the world was going to hell. And God in mercy and in grace, He reached down. And He chose those in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. Amen. That's the book. You can't argue with that. We're all going to hell, the whole world. And he bought the world with his blood. He bought it all. He paid for it all. Don't you remember where he bought the field? He bought that field, but he was after that particular treasure that was in the field. He bought the whole field so he could pull out of it that treasure that was in that field. You say, how much of this do you understand? A smidget. Just a smidgen. You say, well, what does it do to you? I tell you what it does. It humbles me. It makes me want to crawl under the dust somewhere and say, who am I? Who am I? That God would extend His grace to me. Hey. Oh. 
careful to return. But you say, preacher, life has dealt me some unfair blows. You need to learn tonight, young people. Listen to us. Listen, listen. You need to learn from the Holy Ghost. Life is not always fair. Life, as you may know it, is not always fair. You may be flying on, sailing on, but I tell you right down the road, there may be a U-turn. Sharp, I'm telling you, just a sharp U-turn. And there may be another curve over here. A bridge washed out. Hey, but whatever God allows. You say, preacher, this is easy preaching. All this preaching, most of it's easy preaching. And it's hard practicing living. Oh, it's easy to jump up and quote Romans 8.28. It's easy to say that when you're on the mountain, brother. It's easy to say that when you're well and you're healthy and however things are going your way. But when we're down and when we're backs against the wall, when all four walls are closing in, the ceiling's coming down, the floor's coming up, Romans 8.28 still in that book. Hey, now I'm just, this is just something that God's been working in my heart lately. Do you understand? Do we understand this? Please listen here. God saved you, not necessarily to keep you out of hell. That's a fringe benefit of salvation. God saved you, not necessarily just to take you to heaven. That's a fringe benefit of salvation. Are you listening? God saved you for His glory. For His glory. That's why He saved us. He saved us for His glory. For His glory. God somehow through our sufferings, through our hard times, you know, I can almost see Job, and I know I'm, I'm running a rabbit here, but I believe we can run him in a hole. I see Job and he's suffering. Hey, the book of Job is not necessarily why do the righteous suffer, but the book of Job can be classified. Why do the righteous suffer unjustly? Unjustly. Job didn't pick a fight with the devil. Hey, you know what I see? The devil and God in that confrontation. God brought Job's name up. Hey, and you see Job's going, the devil said, oh God, you just let me have him. I'll get him to curse you to your face. He'll curse you to your face. God said, all right. You can have his finances. You touch his flesh. Touch his family. But you don't take his life. You understand? Now what do you think was going on in heaven when Job's going through all this? One right after another, those runners came running in. The livestock's gone. The family's dead. Seven sons and three daughters. All of it felt. You know what I believe? The Lord was nudging one of them angels and saying, what do you see? And that angel said, I see glory. I see glory. I see glory. We see disaster. We see financial reversement. We say it's unfairness. But the Lord in glory is saying, angels, what do you see? And they're saying, glory. 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 (laughs) 
He has predetermined. God has predestinated that every believer be conformed to the image of Christ. I heard this illustration the other day, and I remember reading it somewhere. There was a sculpture. And he was looking at this big old mammoth rock out there in this farm. Big mammoth rock on the farmer's land. He had been observing it. And he wanted to purchase it from the farmer. And the farmer said, Sir, what do you see? And the sculpture said, I see a horse and a rider on that rock. And the man said, All I see is rock, jagged rock, dirty rock. The sculpture said, I see a horse and a rider. And the farmer said, How are you going to get a horse and rider out of that? He said, I'm going to knock everything off of it that don't look like a horse and a rider. And when I get done with it, it's going to be a horse and a rider. Do you understand? God has predestinated and predetermined that He's going to knock everything out of us that's unlike the Lord Jesus and conform us to His image. You get that beyond your head and get down your heart when them trials come, them problems come. Dear preacher, another, he's, he's a Baptist another branch of the Baptist division. He went off to seminary. Just had got married, he went off to seminary. While he was there, the first child was born. And during the, the birth of the child, and after he came into the world, they began to notice some things wasn't just right. The little child, it was a girl, and she was walking with one of her feet. She learned to walk. She, her foot was dragging. And they noticed she couldn't say the, the words like other little babies at that age were saying. So they took her to the pediatrician. The pediatrician said, she's going to be club-footed. She'll walk with a limp the rest of her life and said she's little mentally retarded. She'll be slow. Well, this young preacher, he's an older preacher now, but then he was a young preacher boy. And he went out there in the woods and he cried and he squalled and said, why God, why God, why? Lord, I've given you my life. I'm here in school learning to serve you, Lord, why? He said, God, if you'll just show me a little bit of why. He said, I'll try to go on. He said, it was as though the Holy Spirit spoke in his heart. And brought that passage up where it said, God hath made the blind. God hath made the dumb. God hath made them. And it's for his glory. He said, Lord, you mean this is for your glory? You mean this is for your glory? And he said the Holy Ghost began to work that golden thread in his heart. He said years later, he said he could always tell when that certain particular daughter was coming up the flight of stairs. He said you could always tell because she walked with that. One foot would be a dragon. And she, he said you could hear her saying, Daddy, Daddy. It wasn't clear like the other children. Then he had many then, several. But he said as she'd come walking up them stairs toward his study, he said he'd lay his Bible down and he'd just kind of look up toward heaven. And he said, you know what I heard? He said, I heard glory. 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 God help us to be careful to return to the Lord just ever so often and just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
And then this attitude of gratitude in verse number 15 and 16 also. It's conscious to recognize and it's careful to return. But it feels compelled to recompense. That attitude of gratitude, if it's in you, you feel compelled to recompense. To try to make a payment back. To do something. And the Bible said in verse 15, and one of them when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And boy, can you see this? I see this old leper. They're all, all ten of them are running that way. And all of a sudden they stop. And man, one of them said, I'm clean. And the other said, me too. And man, they begin to holler and scream. And, and all, all of them, they begin to take off except for that one. They're all nine hunting the priest. And they're hunting the preacher. So they can get back in society. But that one leper that was a Samaritan, a half-breed, a Samaritan, he stood there. When he looked at himself, he said, I'm clean too. But I want to go back and say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the Bible said with a loud voice, with a loud voice, does this loudness bother y'all? Does this loud worshiping bother you all? I'm telling you, friend, if you get nervous in these meetings, God help you if you make it to heaven. God help your soul. You've always heard it. It's always been said. This is the quietest world you're ever going to live in. I looked that word loud up. And the word loud meant shrill. It meant shrill, piercing, high and sharp. So I believe you could have heard him for a country mile. The Bible said he went back with a loud voice glorifying God. And he fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks. You talk about an attitude of gratitude that he felt like he felt constrained that he felt compelled to recompense. That's right. Do we feel that? Do you feel compelled to recompense how good God's been to us? Have you ever paused to thank God let you be born in America? Have you ever paused to thank that God lets you be born in this part of America where the gospel is preached? Hey. You say, preacher, how did he recompense? All this old, all this Samaritan stranger knew to do. He did. Hey, these other nine, they were Jews. The possibility is they're all Jews. They knew about God. They knew about the Psalms. But this old Samaritan was a half breed. He didn't have a full revelation about things. But I tell you what, he felt led to do. He went back to seek to recompense. He did it, this is a big word, and I had to look it up so I could use it vicaciously. You say, good night. What, I had to read that, you know. I had to get in them books to find out where they all got these big words, vicaciously. You say, what's that mean? It means full of life and spirit. That's how he did it. The Bible said, with a loud voice. With a loud voice! The Bible said he glorified God. Hey. Or you say, preacher, if I'd have been a leper, you don't understand, there wasn't no cure for leprosy in that day. There wasn't no cure for lepros leprosy unless God Almighty touched the leper. 
You say, preacher, if I'd have been a leper, I'd have been a shouting and rejoicing too. I'd have got excited too. I'm going to tell you, we were far worse than lepers. We were far worse than old lepers. We had that leprosy of sin. And when he saved us, he took it all away, friend. With a loud voice full of life and spirit. I was watching some folk today as Brother Brown was getting highly intoxicated. I mean, he was running on 99 octane this morning. Son, he was gone. He was way out there and them eyes was looking over in some other world as he's a preaching and, and reminiscing about salvation and got excited and got stirred up. Now, do you think everybody likes that? Do you think everybody in this fundamental movement that likes old time praising and shouting and rejoicing? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Bothersome. What are they going to do with this? What are you going to do with this leper? With a loud voice. He began to glorify God. He did it visibly too. Verse 16 said, And he fell down on his face. He fell down at his feet. The Bible said he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. You know what? Somehow, I don't think we distinguish today, listen to me, between praising God and worshiping God. You understand what I'm saying? And they, and they intertwine sometimes. They dovetail together. But anytime you find them worshiping in the Bible, anytime you find them worshiping God, you find them with their faces bowed on the ground toward the pavement. And they've humbled themselves. Humbled themselves. You ever, I know you have been. Surely you have been. You ever been in one of them old fat? It got that way this morning. And it just got juicy. I mean, just gobs, glorified honey was running down my soul. Just gobs of it. Gobs of it. You ever been when you're beyond a shout? Have you ever been in the presence of the Lord worshiping Him and you got beyond a shout? When a shout would have been out of order. And dear God, you felt like crawling under a pew somewhere and covering up your head and burying yourself just to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. One of those meetings in years gone by at Asheville, the land of the sky jubilee where Brother Billy's been going for years. Brother Mays was moderating back then and I remember listening to this on tape. I mean, the glory came down. The glory came down. And man, I'm t- old Zed McDarris was alive then and they were shouting and running and a hooping and a hollering and somebody tried to find Brother, they find, tried to find Dr. Ralph Sexton Sr. And when they found him, he was up in the choir, crawled under a pew, laid spraddled and he was hiding. And Brother May said, what are we going to do now? And Ralph said, I don't know. I don't know. But he said, God's everywhere. God's everywhere. You say, preacher, you reckon it, that's real? Have you never been in your prayer closet when God got so real to you? All you could do was just weep and cry and say, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to say this. You ain't going to understand it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I know, listen, I know foot washing is not an ordinance of the church. I understand that, okay? I've got my theology correct. 
But you know what would do this movement good that we're in? To have an old-fashioned foot washing service. Where we brought the pans out and brought the water out and we humbled ourselves and the men would wash the men's feet and the women wash the women's feet. Have you ever, have you ever, would you dare raise your hand if you had? Have you ever been in an old-fashioned foot washing service? I'm going to tell you something. You say, preacher. Well, hey. Jesus humbled himself. Took a towel and girded himself. And got out and washed their feet. That do this movement good. To knock the pride out of some of us. That's right. He done it vicariously. This old boy done it visibly. And may I say, he was compelled to recompense vocally. Vocally. You say, I never will wish. Now I just heard what some of you said. Some of you just said in your heart, you said, I wouldn't wash nobody's feet. Now you may have just made a big mistake right there, sir. You may have just made a big mistake right there. You may have made that an issue with God. And before you can rest good anymore, God may call you to a foot washing service. You say, I don't believe that. Hey. I mean, there's something almost too holy to talk about took place in a little camp meeting I was in one time when God the Holy Ghost told me he told me. It wasn't an ordinance of the church neither. He said, just go get you a pail of water, boy. He said, you go get you a bucket of water and get you a towel. I said, God, they ain't going to understand this. Holy Ghost said, son, you want me to bless this meat? And I want to break in on us. I want to break in on you. Well, I went to the moderator and I said, moderator, do you care? Do you understand? I feel like the Lord wants me to do it. He said, Brother Buster, I got respect for you. If you said God told you to do it, let's do it. And I went and got me a bucket of water. And I come back and I stalled them men to pull their shoes off and their socks off. And I got out on my hands and knees. And I went around washing men's feet. And oh, I tell you, the Holy Ghost took me to the third heaven and back. I saw my Savior humbling Himself, washing those disciples' feet. And dear God, the Holy Ghost fell. Men got to falling out, squalling and crying and repenting and getting right. And before we got done, I crawled off in the corner and somebody jerked my shoes off and my socks off. And there's a brother washing my feet. You say, dear God, I ain't never heard this kind of preaching. Your Lord did it. That wasn't even in the outline. So boy did it vocally with a loud voice giving him thanks. The attitude of gratitude. That old, that old, listen to me. That old Samaritan boy, that leper, was a stranger. And as feeble as his efforts might have been, his words might have been inadequate. But he said, Jesus, Master, I won't thank you. I want to thank you. 
I want to thank you for cleansing me. There's an old Scottish preacher. He's dead and gone now. Many of you may have read behind him. George Matheson. George Matheson was engaged to get married. He was a preacher. And uh, he got diagnosed that he was going blind. There was nothing medical profession was do, could do. He was going to lose his sight. And his fiance said, I will not live with a blind man the rest of my life. She walked off and left him. And George Matheson continued to preach and he wrote some poems and some songs. But you know, I was reading the other day, and before he died, George Matheson said, Lord, he said, my God, he said, I have thanked thee a million times for the roses of life. But he said, I've never paused once to thank you for the thorn in my life of physical blindness. You know, hey, he thanked God for the thorn. You say, preacher, I've got a thorn in my life. Preacher, there's a thorn in my life. Well, have you ever thanked the Lord for it? Attitude of gratitude. Last, I'm through. Verse 19. I believe we can say here the attitude of gratitude is compensated by reward. It's compensated by reward. Verse 19, And he, Jesus, said unto him, that leper that had just been cleansed. <laughs> he said, Arise and go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Whole. Now, I don't know what you get out of this, but nine of them went back to the priest cleansed. Isn't that what he said? They went back cleansed. But the Son of God, you theologians can figure this out. The Son of God said to this one that came back and gave thanks, He said, Son, your faith has made you whole. You say, well, what do you reckon happened to him? I believe he was compensated by reward. Now, you, you figure it out. The nine went back cleansed, did they not? But he said, I want to say to you, boy, your faith has made you whole. I got to thinking about this. Does this verse imply physical cleansing was followed by spiritual enlightenment? Does this verse imply was the man made whole both in body and soul? Does it mean, could it mean this? Those other lepers went back cleansed. Cleansed. The leprosy was gone. If you've ever visited a leper colony, and I had the privilege to go to Dominica one time and visit a leper colony. If you've ever been in a leper colony, you've seen men with nubs. Parts of their nose is gone. Ears gone. Feet gone. Stubs sticking out. Those nine could have been cleansed. But this old boy, when he returned to say, Thank you, Lord. Could it be that when Jesus said, Son, thy faith, he was as cleansed as the rest of them. But he said, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Could it have been my thin fingers said, Whoop, 